God's love transforms us. It changes us. It's the, the motivator for obedience. It's, it's just an amazing thing. Let's pray and thank God for his great love right now. Father, we thank you for um, the way you have showered down your love upon us. You are a great and mighty God. Wow. While we were still sinners, your son Jesus died for us who are ungodly. And we love you because you first loved us. Thank you for not leaving us in our, in our waywardness, in our lostness. Oh, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving us. And, Father, your, your love just changes us. I pray today that you would, your love would just be evidenced through my voice, Lord, that you would just speak through me clearly how important you are, Lord, in our lives. And, Lord, that uh, it, would be, it would just be something that l- causes us to, uh, to be changed today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Well, I hope that you have had a great Valentine's Day. And um, that you've really been celebrating the love that, that God's put into your life. And maybe that special person in your life. Um, for Lori and I, we just had our romantic getaway weekend last weekend. We went on a retreat with 30 young adults. And so uh, that was our time to get away. And in order to do that, we had to uh, farm out our kids, our four kids, to, uh, to different families in the church. And so our daughter, Jessie, we got her all packed up and took her over to the neighbor's house with her little friend. And we took um, Josiah to one of his friend's house and, and Noah to one of his friend's house. Uh, and then there's... There's this little guy right here, Baby Luke. Now, Baby Luke was our, our greatest concern because, you know, he, he's never been away from his mommy and daddy before. And, you know, he, um, he can only say a few words. He can say no, and he can say uh, ball and b-ball because he loves basketball. Um, he, can, uh, he can say hot which is his word for anything dangerous or something that he's in trouble. Um, and he can say, Mama. Mama. Now, he can't say Dada. I don't know why that is, but he could say, he could say Mama. So we got all the kids, and we, 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 we packed them up. We, we put them at each house, and then we finally dropped off baby Luke at Greg and Beth Medill's. And... Um, you know, we unpacked the crib, and we, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like we're moving in there with all the stuff. And, and, um, and uh, then we, we said goodbye. And there was some tears on baby Luke's part, and there were some tears on his mother's part. And, um, you know, we were, we were rather worried, so we, we took off, and we didn't hear anything. So we thought, well, we'll give them a call tomorrow. So we, we called them, and... Um, Beth got on the phone, and we found out that, um, you know, she said, well, everything's going okay, and um, did you know that, that Luke likes to get up at 5 a.m.? And we said, yeah, yeah, we know that. You know, we, we know that he likes to get up at 5 a.m. And, and then we heard these words, but, but, but Luke likes to use the word mama. He's calling me mama. And we thought, wow. You know, um, the kid has gone 24 hours, and he has completely switched allegiances. <laughs> you know, like, Beth Medill is a fantastic mother. 
she didn't give birth to this, this baby. And she hasn't changed all thousands of diapers that this kid has, you know, had. It's just amazing how quickly we can switch allegiances, eh? Valentine's Day is uh, a great example of that. You know, the whole idea of Valentine's, you, you know the phrase, be mine, right? Be my Valentine. Um, it's on the chocolates, it's on the cards. You know, maybe you passed out Valentine's cards, you know, to your peers. My kids did with their fellow students at school. Um, the problem is that Valentine's Day doesn't last. I know in my own life, like, I can, I can get together a day that's, that makes Lori feel pretty special. I can, you know, get the cards and go for dinner and, you know, celebrate the amazing woman that she is in my life. And I can do that, you know, three or four days of the year, you know, her birthday and Valentine's Day and Mother's Day. But it's the rest of the year, isn't it? It's a lot more difficult. Where my affections are showered down upon her. You know what I'm talking about? Where you, you maybe, you know, even this Valentine's Day, I find sometimes I just kind of check my motivations and I can get really task-oriented and I can just do the Valentine's Day thing so that it, it's what's right. Not maybe fully motivated by my love that she belongs to me. I think this is often how we, we treat God. We might go to church on his special day. We might do the right things throughout the rest of the week, you know, pray, read our Bibles, maybe serve in some ministry. But there's something more that we're missing. Maybe we've taken for granted that we belong to God and we're willing to easily switch allegiances to, to something else or to someone else to suit our fancy. Children do this all the time. Let's say you're planning one of those, you know, great family nights. It's really hard to get that family night all together. And, um, you know, so busy and getting all the activities. And, and finally you've gathered the whole family. And then, guess what? The phone rings. The phone rings. And it's one of your children's friends. Now, I know you young people right here would never do this. But immediately, you know, there's this incredible earth-shattering offer that's going to change their life. That if they miss out on this... You know, they're going to be completely deprived and in the therapy for the rest of their life. And, um, and so you're like, you know, we had this all planned and you belong to us and we, we belong to you. Why don't you stick around? No, 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 I, I want to I I go be with my friends. Well, the question I want us to wrestle with today is how do we stay true to God and not switch allegiances? If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Lamentations. Probably not a book that uh, you spend much time in, and probably definitely not a book that you'd ever think a Valentine's Day theme message would come from. But turn in your Bibles to Lamentations. If you need to, to find out where that is, check in the table of contents and look for the page number and switch to turn the pages over to chapter 3. Chapter 3, and we're going to look at just one verse, verse 24. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24. Now, I'll give you a little background about this. The person who wrote Lamentations is a guy by the name of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was called as just a, a young guy, just like a teenager down here, who was um, called by God 
to be a prophet to the nations. And it says in chapter 1, verse 10, that um, he, would, he would uproot and he would tear down through his words. And then finally he would build up the nations. And so Jeremiah's main calling was to describe to the land of Israel that the Babylonians were coming. The dreaded Babylonians. And they were going to conquest the land of Judah. And they were going to take captive the people. And they were going to drag them off to Babylon for 70 years. And so this was Jeremiah's task. And he had to repeatedly do this throughout a number of kings. And um, in Lamentations, which is written about 586 B.C., it's just before the exiles finally occurred. Um, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He's describing, he's, he's lamenting, hence Lamentations. He's lamenting about all the destructive things that he's seen and done and had to prophesy about. And it's been very distressing to him. Jeremiah, though, lived differently. We find in verse 24 this amazing statement. It says this. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. See, Jeremiah not only understood that, that he belonged to God, but that God belonged to him. You're going to say, what's the difference? I think there's a big difference. See, what... What belongs to you is something that you will cherish and protect. You'll guard against. You know, um, I didn't fully understand this. When I was a, when I was a kid, I, would, I know I took advantage of my parents and um, I maybe spoke an unkind word or acted in rebellion in some way. And um, I, I realized that, you know, or at least I thought, you know, my parents, they're really good people, and they'll forgive me no matter what. I can kind of take advantage of their love. But it wasn't until I had my own kids that I realized that these kids belong to me, that I, I, I'll protect and cherish them in any way. And now that's translated into my own parents. I'm like, I want to please my parents. They belong to me. You protect and cherish what belongs to you. And so this amazing statement by Jeremiah that the Lord was his portion. In the middle of his lament, of all the bad things that were happening, going on around him and the circumstances and all the difficulties, Jeremiah declares that the Lord was his portion. Now having God as our portion, what does that mean? Well, it means that God belongs to us, not just that we belong to him. Now, uh, think of this. Think of portion. Think of it as this. It, it can mean territory. It can mean tract. It can even mean a reward. Um, I usually like to think of my house in this way. Uh, we, we own a house that's a link home, which means that uh, at the footings, it's linked to, that, to the neighbors next door. And it's really important that we know what belongs to us because if we started putting trees over on our neighbor's portion, not our own portion, well, there could be some real hostilities. Or let's say we put our air conditioner on their property, which is not ours. 
Life can get really confusing when you don't know what belongs to you. You grab for things that um, don't belong to you, and in the end you feel, you feel empty-handed and really disappointed. Maybe you're grabbing for things in your own life that really don't belong to you. Maybe life is not what you, you thought it would be. Maybe you're in the middle of your own lament. I know that there's many of you who are struggling with different things in your life. I want to remind you, do you realize that God is your portion? And that if you have God, you have all that you need? Tim Bahula, who we've, we prayed about, he's a friend of mine for a long time. It's very distressing to think of this 39-year-old mother of six young children from ages 3 through 14. Yeah, she, she's, she's where she was always meant to be, which is, which is heaven. But what do you say to a person like Tim? I think Jeremiah knows. He saw lots of death and destruction. He'd say, the Lord is your portion. When you have nothing else, you have the Lord. He's the one who belongs to you. He's the one who you can hang on to. When I see some of the, the great and mighty people in Scripture, I see that there was this, this awesome truth that they recognized that the Lord belonged to them. See, the other person in the Old Testament that used this phrase, the Lord is my portion, is David. David in Psalm 16. Turn there to Psalm chapter 16. We're going to unpack that a little further. And you got to remember that David... David, um, when he's writing this psalm, uh, he's actually the anointed king. He's the one who's been, who's been um, recognized by God as the true king. Whereas Saul, his father-in-law, has been DQ'd. He's been disqualified. And yet, David, despite that he played his harp and that he won battles for Saul, Saul's been throwing spears at him. Saul's been hunting him down, been chasing him. Sent his whole army to go after David. We find in Psalm 16, David's response. He recognized that in despite the fact that he felt very alone, that the Lord was his portion. Verse 5. Let's unpack starting in verse 1. It says this, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. See, David was the one who recognized that it was God himself that he could find refuge. Despite an army of 3,000 men, of Saul's best fighting men, to come after him. Nothing could harm him because God belonged to him and that he could take refuge in God alone. That's why in verse 2 it says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. David embraced the truth that the Lord was his. And that all that belonged to him that was good was from the Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Do you recognize that today? Have you been chasing after things that really didn't belong to you? All the good things, all the best things in life come from the Lord's hand and his only. Verse 3 says, As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. And then check this out. 
The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. If you're going after things that don't belong to you, sorrows will chase after you who run after other gods. Jeremiah almost said the same thing. He said, you will wear out your sandals by chasing after other gods. And you will leave empty-handed and disappointed. David knew that. David understood that. And then verse 5. Jumping down to verse 5. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. Some translation says, Lord, you are my portion. And you are my cup. And that made David so secure. All that he needed was satisfying in God alone. And it made him very secure. I remember those days where I was wondering, you know, is, is this the girl for me or is that the girl for me? It was an insecure time. But now that Lori's in my life, I recognize there's this security that she belongs to me and I belong to her. Wow. David understood that to a far greater extent, to a massive extent. Despite everything that was going on around him, he could say that God was his security. That's why he said, you have made my lot secure. Then verse 6, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And God was saying, here's the boundary line right here. This doesn't belong to you. This does. And what belongs to you is me. I'm your portion. I'm your cup. Boy, there's, there's great joy to live the best life, which is to stay, stay within the walls of protection that God has for you. Not to grab and go after other things that don't belong to you. In verse 7, David can't help but praise God. He says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. God would counsel David at night in those lonely caves, darkness, speak to his heart. Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Now think about that. David even recognized that at the extent of his power and strength, that's at his right hand, right? That's what that symbolizes. Beyond that, he still needed more help. And that God would be his portion. That he would not be shaken. He could be secure. And verse 10. Verses 9 and 10. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Now that verse right there is picked up by the New Testament writers describing Jesus. That when, when he died, his body would not decay. What happened three days later? He rose from the grave to give us eternal life. David is prophesying about that. He's giving hope. And that's why he can say in verse 11, You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Everything good is going to be forever and ever. Eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's what belongs to me. 
because the Lord belongs to me. See, David understood that God was his portion. He actually says this again in the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 57. David says this, You are my portion, O Lord. You are my portion. Now the New Testament picks up the same theme. Teaches us more about how the Lord has to be ours. I want to unpack that a little bit further. And um, show you the importance of God belonging to us. Number one, we prize what we possess. Think about that. Isn't that true? We prize what we possess. Jesus made this very clear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He says this, Where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be what? Also, right? It's not really difficult for us to figure out what you really prize, what you treasure in your life. Just look at your calendar, your checkbook. Look at your life. Look at the things that you want to, you, 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 you value the most. They are what belong to you. The other things you'll throw away, you'll get rid of. But you prize what you possess. Second of all, not only prize what we possess, we personalize what we possess. I love Thomas. I think of Thomas. Remember Thomas? He was, he was one of Jesus' disciples who followed Jesus for three years. And uh, maybe Thomas thought all along that Jesus was going to be the Messiah who was going to deliver, deliver the nation of Israel from the Romans, all their oppression. And then what happened was Jesus was crucified by those, those Jewish religious leaders and, and Roman guards and centurions. And just like Jeremiah, he's like, what, what happened here? And then three days later, there's this report, Jesus is alive. And Thomas is like, I'm not getting my hopes up again to be dashed. It's too hard. And he's like, unless I see the, the nail marks in his hands and in his feet, and I, I see that, that wound from his side where the spear went in, I won't believe it. And guess who shows up? Jesus. Jesus always does that in our, our darkness and in our doubt. He says, hey, hey, Thomas, it's okay to feel me now. And what is Thomas's response in John chapter 20, verse 28? He says this. My Lord and my God! It's at that moment that Thomas recognized that Jesus really belonged to him. He personalized what he possessed. All alone, he'd been, a, a, you know, following Jesus, checking him out. But it's at that moment that I think he really became saved. He believed in the resurrected Lord. Most of us get this truth that we, we personalize what we possess. My, my three-year-old gets it. Last night, you know, he was off doing something. He had two cars. And uh, baby Luke came and grabbed one. And what is his immediate response? Mine, baby Luke! Mine, baby Luke! Right? You know, we... We, we prize what we possess. Thirdly, we protect what we possess. We protect what we possess. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 11. Okay, if you need to look for that, look in the front of your Bible, find Ephesians. We see here Paul is describing 
how God possesses us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. I'll start there. It says, in him, that means God, we were also chosen. God chose Paul. God chose those that were going to be a part of his church. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who, co- who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Paul's saying, you know, we were some of the very first followers of Jesus. We were the ones who were chosen for his church. And then there's this really awesome, precious truth for all of us in this room. Verse 13. And you also, the Ephesians and the church, continuing on through history, you also were included in Christ. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So God says, here's the boundary lines. I'm going to protect it with my own spirit. Verse 14. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. We're God's possession. To the praise of his glory. That's how God relates to us. He seals us. He protects us through his Holy Spirit. Should we not also protect our relationship? If we don't protect our relationship, we don't value it enough. We need to protect our relationship with God. How do we do that? Well, see, God belonging to us results in being able to do two things. And this is how we protect that relationship. First of all, we obey Him. We don't, we don't get outside of those, those bounds. Back to Psalm 119, verse 57, when, when David said, you know, you are my portion, O Lord. He goes on immediately to say, I have promise to obey your words. This means that we we make commitments to follow God wholeheartedly, just as he promised and chose us. So we obey him. It's really important. But there's another step. There's another step. That's the second part of this. We need to wait for him. We need to wait for him. See, if you think about it, You always wait for somebody who belongs to you. Now, there's times where I'm just, you know, chugging along, going really fast, and my my family's lagging behind. I can promise you that I've never left them. You know, when we're getting ready for church, and I I, probably made threats and said, that's it. Um, I got to go right now. If you don't go, you're not going. But it's never happened where I actually left them. You always wait for somebody who belongs to you. And back in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24, remember I told you that Jeremiah says this? I say to myself, he's been talking, the Lord is my portion. And what's the outcome of that? The last part of that verse in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24. Therefore, I will wait for him. I think many of us in this room are struggling with waiting on the Lord. The Lord seems to be slow to heal. The Lord seems to be slow to bring that that future spouse into our lives. That uh, the Lord seems slow to make that, that dream reality, that desire that you've wanted for so long to occur, but it's still unfulfilled. 
The Lord seems to be slow to reconcile that relationship or to bring that beloved person, that wayward person back. Back to you or back to God. The Lord seems slow to provide that job. You've been out of work for way too long. The Lord seems slow to right that injustice. This isn't fair, God. Can't you see this? Oh, Jeremiah could see that. He could relate. You see, when you understand that God belongs to you, you know that he is always worth waiting for. This is also the difference between obedience and submission. See, obedience is taking compliant action to a command. We might do that for a whole host of reasons. We might do it because it's right or we don't want to get ourselves into more trouble. But there's this whole other level called submission. K.P. Yohanan says this about submission. He defines it this way. Submission is a heart attitude towards authority. See, we might obey if we belong to that authority. We don't want to make waves. We don't want to cause problems for ourselves. But we submit when they belong to us. Jeremiah understood this because he did more than what God said. His heart became fully devoted to him. Now, you need to understand that Jeremiah did this despite the fact that he faced great opposition. In Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 6, listen to what God says about um, Jeremiah's family. He says, Your brothers, your own family, even they have betrayed you. They have raised a loud cry against you. Do not trust them, though they speak well of you. Now, you need to understand that Jeremiah's family was of the Levites. They were priests. They were the like spiritual leaders of the country. They had this really good church thing going on. If they were in this room, you'd say, oh yeah, that's a, that's a strong Christian family. They're serving God. But in reality, they were serving religion and they were prospering because of that. So Jeremiah comes and tags along with King Josiah's reforms and saying, we got to get back to the Bible. We need to get back to what's right and not just benefiting ourselves. What does Jeremiah's family do? They abandon him. They get hostile towards him. And yet, Jeremiah can still say, the Lord is my portion. God's still good. And then there's this other time in, in Jeremiah chapter 38 where after doing what God said and going to all these kings, telling them the truth, they despise Jeremiah. They put him in a cistern, this deep, deep well, and they, it's, it's, it's muddy at the bottom, and he's stuck there. No one cares about Jeremiah except for one person, Abed-Melech, which translates in Hebrew, the servant of the king. The king of kings, not the king that was on the throne in Jerusalem. God sees. It takes 30 men to put ropes down there and pull him out. That's how stuck he was. 
The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my cup. It's really hard, though, isn't it? When you have those authority figures in your life who have abused you. It could be a spouse. It could be an employer. It could be a parent. It could be a teacher. And yet you'll still submit to them. It's really difficult because you start to have trust issues and it's, it's difficult to trust the Lord is good. But yet, Jeremiah, despite all of this, he still saw that the Lord was good. And he embraced that God was his portion when everything seemed so dark. Jeremiah understood his master's heart. That's what submissions is all about. And trusted God is good when nothing seemed good. See, belonging is a motivator to submission and transforms how we live our lives to others. I want to read to you a quote from um, this amazing book that I, uh, I recommend to you. It's called Touching Godliness Through Submission by K.P. Yohanan. He's a ministry leader. He's the president of Gospel for Asia, um, Indian Christian leader. And I read this this week in... I mean, almost every page is highlighted or some comments. There's actually a few stains from my tears. It's just the conviction. K.P. Johannes says this, If we focus on altering our response to our authorities rather than complaining about their weaknesses, we will not only find ourselves changed, but the attitude of our authority towards us most often changes as well. Belonging to God is a motivator for submission. It transforms how we live our lives to others. It will affect the husband and wife relationship. You'll start to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Not because that other person deserves it, but because Christ deserves it. He was submissive to the Father and went to the cross. Not my will, but yours be done. So today we've been talking about belonging to God and God belonging to us. If we get this right, we realize that all the people God has put over us are really representatives of Him, and so it makes us easier to submit to them. God is um, God's teaching me that. God taught me that this week. Um, I really sensed that the Lord was calling me to fast for three days. Um, for a particular person that I love very much who has a stronghold in their life. And in uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 29, um, there's this story of Jesus, and he was able to heal someone who was demon-possessed, and his disciples come to him and say, you know, why couldn't we do that? You thought you gave us authority and power to do it. It's like this one only comes out through prayer, and some manuscripts say, and fasting. So I sense that I was supposed to pray for this stronghold by person had in their life felt like the devil was was holding them down but then i realized that i was fasting for the wrong person i was fasting for myself and that um god wanted to show me my lack of submission in my life that there could be a, a great outer righteousness but still be an inner rebellion God loves me so much, and he's, he's, he's my portion. He wants to show me what it means to be submissive in every way.
So how about you? What should we do? Well, I'm going to give you two options, and I think this covers almost everyone in this room. You should do either two of one thing, either one of two things. Number one, fully make the Lord your portion. Some of you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ today. He died for you. He loves you. He can be your portion. Maybe that surrender will involve being baptized. Maybe that surrender will be after service, coming and talking to one of the pastors and declaring, Jesus is Lord. God promises if you confess that Jesus is Lord, you will have eternal life. Some of you need to do that. But, but others are saying, John, I've already made Jesus my Lord. I, I've personalized him as my Lord. Well, then I'd say to you, what God's calling you to do is to wait on him. To wait on him. See, God is so good. He can be trusted. His timing is perfect. In Lamentations, we find this amazing statement. I'm going to start in verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, We are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Here's a statement that we've actually made into hymns. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, Jeremiah says. To the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. To fully attach yourself to him saying, he belongs to me. God's compassions will never fail. He will not fail you. I want us to reflect on that and worship God as we we watch this video at this time. And just think about how God never fails us. He fails us not. Last night, Lori and I celebrated Valentine's Day. Went out for supper and had some gift certificates to the, the keg. We got there and they said, it's going to be an hour and a half wait. And uh, so we walked around the mall and we waited and we waited. Finally, finally it was our turn to get a table. And um, the server came and put my portion for me. And it fully satisfied me. The Lord is your portion. The Lord is your cup. He can fully satisfy you. You can have confidence no matter what will come that He is your Lord. That He is your portion. And He does not fail His own. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for being our portion. Thank you for fully satisfying us. Whether we're single or married, this day can be a day that ends in disappointment. But if our eyes are on you and we find out what our real portion is, oh Father, it won't be a disappointment because your compassions never fail. Thank you for being that God to us. Let us hang 
strongly to your great strength and the blessing that you are to us because you belong to us. It will transform us. We pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen.